always remember you never know who you're meeting or working with, what their role is going to be the next time you meet them. You are now tuned into the Meesey Muse Unplugged, a pop-up podcast variety show helping consultants along their journey to greatness with your host, management consultant, author, and blogger, Christy Lindor. Hey, my go-getters. Welcome to the Meesey Muse Unplugged podcast show. I'm your host, Christy Lindor. Super excited to be bringing you episode 31 And today we're actually going to be doing an Ask Me Anything or AMA interview. And if this is your first time tuning in, AMAs are when I have the wonderful opportunity to connect with either seasoned or former consultants and they give you advice. Today's guest, we've got Tanya Stevenson. A little bit about Tanya. She's actually a seasoned independent consultant. She's the founder of Stand Up and Deliver Consultancy. She's also an author and a speaker. And in our episode today, she actually shares a little bit about her career journey as an independent consultant. And go-getters, I think you're going to really enjoy today's conversation. Tanya does, you know, a really great job of dropping some real-world knowledge and gems that I think will really help round out as you continue on your journey to greatness in 2018. And for today's career dilemma, I actually had several mentees reach out to me. They're attending their first industry conference and they were asking, you know, how to really maximize their time at these types of events. So both Tanya and I share our insights and our experience of attending industry conferences and how you can really, you know, take advantage of those opportunities. It's a very informative discussion. I hope you will enjoy. Also today, go-getters, I've actually been getting a lot of questions about my book, The Missy Muse. So I wanted to take a moment to address a couple of them before we get started with today's interview. So one of the questions I continue to get is, you know, when is the book officially going to be published? It's a really great question. (laughs) You know, I've been going through the publishing process, but as of right now, my book is scheduled to be published February 20th. And by definition of publish, that means that if you were to go onto amazon.com on February 20th, you can not only order the book, you can it will actually be shipped to you. So published is really kind of the technical term of when the book is available for mass distribution. So again, um, the book will be published February 20th. Another question I've gotten before is, you know, is the book available for pre-order? And the short answer is yes. And so, go-getters, if you go to my website, meesymuse.com, I'll go ahead and post a link out there for you to be able to pre-order the book if you'd like. Another question uh, that I've gotten is, when is the book going to be available on common or popular sites such as Amazon or bondsandnobles.com? So we are in the process of setting up uh, the pre-order pages and it's going through kind of all these different approvals so go-getters as soon as the book is available on all the various different types of popular book site outlets we'll definitely let you know but if you want to today you can definitely go to the link on my website and be able to pre-order it from my publishing uh, team 
Another question I've gotten is what formats are uh, the book going to be available? So upon publishing, the book is going to be available in both a paperback format as well as a ebook or Kindle format. So, so we're, we're going to be publishing with, with those three uh, formats. And the next question I've gotten is, is there going to be an audio version? And yes, there will be an audio version. I'm actually going to take a little bit more time uh, to publish the audio book version. So that's probably going to be a little later this year, go-getters, most likely in the summer or fall timeframe. But I'll definitely keep you posted on when the audio book will be available. And the last question that I've been getting a lot the last couple of weeks is, am I going on tour? So yes and no. So I'm actually, I've started uh, the virtual book tour and in virtual book tour, meaning that I have been doing a number of different podcast interviews, doing guest blogging on, on different websites, doing interviews online with magazines. And that's really going to be the extent of it at this particular point. I do have a couple of in-person events. So I do have a book launch party, go-getters. I'll post information about that as well for you to check that out. You're definitely invited. It's January 25th from 6.30 to 9.30 uh, p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And again, I'll, I'll post all that. You can be anywhere in the world and uh, you'll be able to stream it. Um, we're going to make sure that we set up for all my go-getters worldwide to take part in the book launch party. Um, in addition to that, I do have several in-person book signing events underway um, that's going to be happening between the March through April timeframe. And as we kind of finalize information and dates, I'll definitely share that with you in the future. So most of my book tour events are virtual, but uh, the ones that are in person, you know, we'll make sure we keep you posted. And uh, if you want to learn more about the book, more about the you know book tours and, and all types of information, you can go ahead and check out my new book website. And that's mecemuse.us. And that's M-E-C-E news m-u-s-e dot u-s and the you know the podcast site has not changed it's the same mecmuse.com so with that let's get started i have the utmost pleasure of introducing tanya stevenson to the show tanya thank you for joining us today on the mece muse unplugged how are you doing awesome thank you very much Awesome. So before we, we get started, um, if you can take a moment to introduce yourself to the go-getters of the Missy Muse Unplugged. Sure. So I'm Tanya Stevenson. I'm the founder of Stand and Deliver, Inc. I'm in, declared as an independent management consultant specializing in organization change management. And I've been doing that for 10 years. And I'm very grateful to have built a business that has stand the test of time, regardless of the economy. It hasn't always been that easy. Ten years ago, I often experienced the feast and famine that consultants can experience, especially independents, not knowing where the money is going to be coming in or my next contract. Of course, that adds a bit of stress with my relationship with the most important person in my life, which is my husband, and not you know having to work with my clients to ensure that I my value in the market is recognized and rewarded appropriately. But I'm really happy to be here today, 10 years later, on your show, hoping I'm going to be providing some value to your audience and some of the people who might be in a similar place. Kudos to you, Tanya. I give you kudos because, you know, just being in consulting for the last, you know, 15 years or so, it the market has really been very interesting. <laughs> and I, I cannot, I <laughs> cannot imagine. <laughs> 
I, I, wildly consulting the reply. Interesting. Yes, yes, it has. Well, it has. It's been quite the adventure in the market, and to see the kind of the contract of of the industry, and I I can't imagine as an independent consultant how much you must feel that like you know that rubber to road like field. So I give you kudos. Um, I think it takes a certain level of grit to really be able to embrace that journey as an independent consultant. So I, I want to kind of go to that independent consultant thing, but. Before we do that, I want to take a step back and I would love to hear kind of how you decided to go into consulting. I know you mentioned you're an org change management consultant, my specialty. So we're definitely kindred spirits for sure. But yeah, maybe give us a little bit about how you decided to go into the profession. Sure. I kind of come to it from a different direction than I think some of my peers. I had the great fortune of actually starting my career in a startup company, which was fabulous, intense hard, like you said, grit experience. And I grew very quickly into an operational role of managing not only customer service for over 900,000 customers, but uh, four departments all before I was 30. So I have that kind of entrepreneur in nature in that due to that beginning. But what I was often doing is kind of solving the problems for the organization continuously. So I never actually would ever consider myself as one of those long-term management uh, leaders. I was always solving problems, going to the next thing. And so I would really what call myself as an internal consultant because mm-hmm. it didn't matter what we needed. We need a new building system. We need a new telecom system. We need a new department. We need to shut down a department. We merged with another company. We divested. It was really quite a radical education system that you don't get when you're in school. And so kind of having that hard knocks beginning really lent to a quite a hard or strong, I would say, foundation. And then when I looked around and said, well, I want to grow my career and I want more experience and more, what I could say, I would say adventures and more problems to solve. I looked around and I saw that it wasn't growing my career up a chain of command that was going to give me that. And I decided I really, really enjoy the project environment. So I looked around and I said, well, who does that? And the the very people I was hiring did that. And so the very people that was helping me solve my problems, consultants, is I looked at them and said, hey, how do you do this? What did, how did you do this? How did you get into this? How would I do that? And the very people who were helping me solve my company problems actually helped me solve my career problems. And that's how I got started as I watched them and figured out how would I lay it out so that when I broke away 10 years to go independent, I was ready to do that. That's such a, a very interesting story, Tanya. As you, you said it, I'm thinking, you know, as an independent consultant, I would assume there's a lot of parallels with a startup company environment. Since you've had that experience firsthand, maybe you can share with the go-getters, like, what would be some really diff- key differences between going to a startup company and kind of going through that kind of journey versus like the independent consulting? I think some of the differences in that was... When I started my independent side, I had a lot more conscious direction I was going. And I, I still made a lot of a ton of mistakes, but I had a much more conscious decision around that. When you're doing a startup company, though, there is a lot of burning problems you're trying to solve. Like, for example, it's funny today, like today I look at some of my clients and they're, you know, they're managing budgets to, ah, if I'm within a hundred thousand, I'm I'm happy, you know, down to like maybe twenty thousand. When you do a startup company, you're managing your budgets to fifty bucks. So <laughs> you're doing with a lot less and you're doing a heck of a lot more with that. When I had 900,000 customers, I only had, I believe, 18 people in my call center. One of my vendors, vendors at the time, one of my vendors was AT&T. They had uh, 55 people in their call center. 
So your scale is so much different in a startup company. Now take that and go into independent. Now I'm a company of one and I have to do everything myself. And so in some ways, the difference with a startup company is at least I still had people. I still had teams. I was still able to hire. I was still able to fire. I was still able to build teams. Now I'm, I'm trying to do everything with myself. And so productivity is even more essential. Um, so it's funny how those kind of difference in there. Plus, I, I had leaders working with me in those startup companies. and We were trying to chew out these problems together and find solutions to these problems together. As an independent consultant, there's times where you're incredibly lonely. You don't mm-hmm. have a lot of peers or joint leaders that you're leaning on. You're, you're leaning on other independent consultants, other community areas trying to help solve some of your own problems. Yeah. You know, what you just touched on, Tanya, about kind of the loneliness of consulting I hear that so much. I hear, and it's funny, I hear it from independent consultants, but I also actually hear it from, you know, consultants that work at a specific firm. I I think that, you know, in terms of, I feel like that topic alone is like, I could do a a whole episode on just the loneliness of the, because not a lot of people kind of sometimes understand the lifestyle. And so even if, you know, you have people around you that, do the same type of work, you know, if they're not part of your social circle, your social circle sometimes really doesn't, they don't really understand what you're going through. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, and I think I have to be really fair to that topic is saying one of the hesitations of me becoming uh, an independent consultant versus even a consultant with a firm is even people from the firms I work beside, you know, some of them were smaller boutique and some of them were, you know, the big four. But, you know, nobody ever, that was always what got brought up and say, do you really want to go down this path? Because it's not, even if you work for a big four, it's still lonely. And now you're going to be an independent, which is even going to be possibly lonelier. So are you prepared for that? And coming from a background of counseling, because my background is sociology and psychology, and coming from a background also where I'm a big believer in planning to succeed, not failing to plan and and then failing. I kind of had to really sit back and go, okay, you know, project manager, how are you going to mitigate these risks? How are you going to set this stuff up so you're not completely, you know, running on empty all the time and you have no one there near you? It wasn't always, it didn't always work out, as you know, in a project environment, you can plan all your risks you want with all your mitigations you want, and it doesn't go to plan, but at least you had something to fall upon, right? Right. So true. So true. It's, I do an episode just on project management because I, I feel like that's such an important part of being a great consultant. Oh, um, so I agree more. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I t- I'm glad that you tee that up. Just kind of your, your background, Tanya. So, you, you know, you kind of went from you kind of in the startup environment. You've been in a very what, what I think is a very volatile, volatile kind of marketplace. It's been in the last decade or so. And you've done well for yourself as an independent consultant. What would be your top three kind of pieces of advice that you would, you know, give someone that's maybe new to the profession, they may be thinking about joining a firm or kind of striking it out on their own? Like, what would be kind of some of the top things you'd you'd share with them as advice? So from my experience of both working for large companies, both oil and gas and utilities, I've, I've said this actually to employees who are going to stay in companies. And I've said this to consultants. I've said this to independent consultants. You can never go wrong, first and foremost, having a great foundation in great project management and BA experience. Like you don't have to become a specialist in it, but you better Mm -hmm. have a good understanding and a respect for a project environment. Because no matter what you're doing, eventually something is going to show up in your wheelhouse where you're going to have to be part of a project because somebody's going to be making a change somewhere. 
That's my first piece. My second piece is always remember you never know who you're meeting or working with, what their role is going to be the next time you meet them. Mm. So <laughs> I I remember I love that. Yeah. Like I worked with somebody and somebody was, you know, a V suite VP level. Next time I meet them, they're my they're my consultant. So one time they're my boss, one time I'm there, the boss, maybe, right? And that's happened to me. One time I was the boss, the next time I'm the I'm on the staff. So you never know who you're going to be meeting in your network, who and what your roles are going to play like with each other later in life. So respect everybody around you because you just you just don't know what the circumstances are going to be like in the future. And don't take it for granted that you that you know because you don't. And the other thing is to be very I'm actually I'm tossing between two. So maybe I don't know if you could let me squeeze in a fourth. I'm yeah, right. absolutely. Um, so my third one was always as a consultant be very value driven. I cannot express enough about always providing value to the people around you in your network. It it can be a potential client, it could be the person you're working with on the team at your client, it could be the person who's working for you. Like how do you make this a mutual exchange? So that everybody is walking away with something. And then my last one, my squeeze in one was, uh, and you kind of alluded to this, is that grit, that resilience. You got to find ways to really build that up because the market, the the industry, the clients, it's always changing. You got to be able to bounce around and be really able to be flexible around that. All great advice. I so love, you know, the, you don't know, you know, where this person will be the next time you meet them. I think I'm going to like use that line, Tanya, because it's, it's the story of my life. (laughs) You know, you just, it's so funny. You meet people and you're so right. You just, I've seen kind of ironies as well. And and it's just, it's pretty remarkable. So spot on, spot on advice as well. Um, If I can share one story just to try that. Yeah. I remember teaching a class. I used to, I used to, I just stopped doing it the last couple of years, but I used to teach project management for at the universities, both the universities in my local city. And so a student who is in there, so I'm the teacher, they're the student. And I'll tell you, a year and a half, I think it was two years later, the student is now my client. So you just, you don't know how your roles are going to be reversing around, right? Right, right. No, so that's a great story. Uh, but it shows the testament of being respectful for, for everyone. And I, I, you know, there's a saying that I, I actually love and I always share it with people when they get super excited about their successes. I'm like, you know, Yes, celebrate your successes, but understand that success is not final. You know, yeah. it, it's it's so true. Like, yes, absolutely, I'm all about celebrating, but at the same time, you can't stop there. It's kind of one more. It, it actually should just give you momentum to continue on. And in this world, you can't stop. You have to kind of keep going and knowing that. And, and you know, on the flip side, failure is not fleeting as well. So, so true. So true. So given, you know, being independent, I, you know, one question that I hear, you know, people that may be considering that, uh, you know, in a crossroads, deciding if that's where they want to head is, you know, how do you really get client work as an independent consultant? So maybe, Tanya, maybe you can share with us, like, what are some of the ways that you're able to get client work from your network or just kind of from in, in general through kind of interactions with different people? Maybe you can share a little bit of that. Sure. I mean, I think we've all heard this. I mean, we all heard that the blanket statement, your network, your network, your network, right? Or referrals. But it really, for me, when I first started out, I'll be honest, even actually when I first started out, I got my first contract with a, through a small firm who set it all up. And before I showed up, 
the firm I was working through and the client both collapsed. So I left my my paid, you know, employee, great role running a project management office. It was a ton of fun. Decided to make this breakaway. And before I even started, I I had lined everything up through another firm who they were my vendor. So that's it was in my network. So it was a referral. They knew what I was like. They really want to put me in front of their client and everything just fell apart. So I didn't do my homework like I probably needed to as much as I should have. But I thank God for my network of respect because another vendor that I had worked for had heard about my plight and they wanted to actually put me in front of one of their clients, a large oil and gas um, transporting company as well. So I was really fortunate that that came in that way. And to be honest, from there on, that's how it really has worked for me is because of my desire to always provide value and connect with my with my network. I just always stay top of mind with both third-party vendors, with directly with the leaders that I had worked beside in my industries when I was a leader. And I stayed in contact with other consultants who who provided me services. And because we worked so well together when I was their client, they were more than happy to refer me on to their clients when they had an opportunity. And that is pretty well for 10 years. That is exactly how I've gotten my work again and again and again. That's great. Great advice. I, one thing would maybe you can share, has there ever been anything that ever surprised you or that you learned about tapping your network to really kind of uh, seek out new business? Anything you want to share? Sometimes I've actually gotten work. It's not been direct from people I've actually met directly or I had directly in my in on my phone. I'm going to date myself on my roller decks. <laughs> I swear, I want to bring that back, actually. I really want one of those because I kind of miss how those worked. But anyway, um... <laughs> you, um, you said that and I was I just was having a conversation earlier this morning about BlackBerry. Yeah. And I was like and I'm like, just like you, I'm like, I was having this conversation with this person and, and they're like a hardcore Apple fan. I know this is such oh, yeah. a uh, such a random that I have to share this like they were, I, I was like, I really want my BlackBerry back. Like, I, I miss the keys. I miss everything about my BlackBerry. Okay. All right. You want to be dating? Palm Pilot. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> right? Oh, my gosh. I'm like. Been this for a while, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I can talk about the things I miss. That's oh. a whole other episode all in itself. But that was that was so random. But I had to share that story. Yeah, it's, it's I, I just... love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah, so the real surprising thing is today, probably, well, in this digital age, what I do do a lot with my network to stay top of mind is I send them a lot of time digital, but I do do occasionally I send gifts to my clients or when I leave, I leave behind a book or I send articles because I just I'm always I'm always scraping the world of content for for usable stuff for not just myself but my clients and I'll find these magazine I'll send them the actual physical magazine or I'll send them clippings and stuff and I had a one client come to me um through that was actually three people removed and they got the attention because the third person receiving this had gotten it from what trusted person in their network who got it from somebody else in my network right so there's this weird connection remember when LinkedIn used to have the whole you know how close you are you connected or they still do right it was kind of like that kind of scenario which really made me believe really the world is not six degrees of separation it's down like to like three and this person because of this trusted relationship through these multiple individuals had kind of followed up through back through the chain to get to me and that's how I got a contract it was very surprising very rewarding to say 
wow, this gift here got passed on to there, which landed with this other person who they were so impressed by the whole string of value there that they end up coming back to hire me. So it was like, yeah, like that's, that was surprising. And, and if anything, just reconfirming that that approach it is valuable and it works for everybody in that string. You know, you mentioned LinkedIn and, and to go getters, you're hearing this, you're thinking about going into consulting, whether it's independent or otherwise yes. get on LinkedIn. Oh my Definitely. God. I cannot say enough. Yes. Get on LinkedIn. Just like you love your Facebooks and your Instagrams and your Snapchat, get on LinkedIn. It's, it is like the social network for professionals for sure. Absolutely. And I was, I was an early adopter on there. So my LinkedIn profile is just like, it's LinkedIn. And then it's like forward slash Tanya Stevenson. So (laughs) I'm a big believer. So I'm glad you're like me, Christine, you're advocating for that for it because there's nothing else out there like it. I definitely agree. One last question before I pivot and uh, talk about today's career question. I'm part of your Facebook group, the Black Sheep Consulting. You put a lot of really great content out there that I pick up and I really enjoy. I would love for you to kind of share with um, the go-getters a little bit about the Facebook group, especially if they're interested, you know, as newbie consultant. Sure. So I guess I should first mention, like, why did I even start one? Because it's been really difficult as we as we started this conversation with it's it can be a lonely uh, career choice as in a firm or as an independent or in a boutique. It, it can be lonely. So um, I was actually doing a bunch of work and research trying to go, okay, is there other groups out there that I can be contributing to and I can be getting value from as well? And there aren't very many. Um, and so what I decided to do is I thought, okay, well, I'll take this chance because I'm not a huge Facebook person, but I thought this is a better social medium because this isn't about finding a job. This is about how do we help each other? And I called it Black Sheep Consultants because I was really getting focused on saying, well, I really wanted to see a community if to create a community um, where it was driven more about providing the value to their clients. And, and how do how do we as consultants bring the best of ourselves to to that experience on both sides? And I really believe in the mindful approach to business and craft and life. So I thought, OK, how do I attract like minded people, black sheep consultants in my mind, you know, people who are willing to hold themselves accountable for their actions and decisions and said, OK, let's go down this. this let's try this Facebook group and see who we can attract and, and see if we can stir up some interesting conversation. Today's episode is brought to you on behalf of the Misi Muse. A hundred plus selected practices, unwritten rules and habits of great consultants. A book by Christy Lindor. Written in the voice of a mentor, the Misi Muse provides insights on the unwritten rules of great consultants. A perfect read for new or aspiring consultants. Christy dives into her 15 plus years of consulting experience while sharing interviews and anecdotes from over 50 consulting partners and leaders that represents thought leadership from 80% of the top 10 consulting firms in the world. Pre-sale begins shortly. Sign up at www.mecmuse.com. Kind of like you, Tanya, I'm not really like a big Facebook person, but every time I go, I log on there and I I come across the post, I I feel like I always take a a key nugget away. So yeah, so go-getters, I definitely would, you know, definitely recommend joining Tanya's uh, Black Sheep Consultant Facebook group and um, having really having that safe space. As you mentioned, I think it's so critical and there, there are not a lot of outlets like that. So I think it's pretty unique. 
for sure. Yeah. So, um, you know, one thing I wanted to kind of pivot to for the career question I, I mentioned earlier, I have a couple of, of mentees that are, they're attending, you know, industry conferences for the first time. And, you know, they kind of want to get a little bit more information on like how to really maximize their time at any industry conferences. So I would think, you know, Tanya, you are an experienced seasoned consultant. I'm sure you've done many of conferences. I would love to hear your thoughts on on ways you think that people should consider, you know, really maximizing their time at industries. What what are some of the top things that they should kind of consider as they prepare for that? I love conferences, but uh, I have to admit, you could spend a ton of money on those. And there has been a couple I've come into and I'm like, oh my God, like I got nothing out of that, right? Mm Because I just showed up as a student and I thought, okay, let's rethink this and go, how can I get the best bang for my buck, right? Is that what you're asking for? Yeah. There's actually, to me, there are three phases of a conference. There is actually, how do you prepare for one? What do you do during it? And and actually there's the post-event as well. So when you get started um, and you're finding that conference, whatever that is for your craft or your industry or whichever, the real thing you want to make sure is, are you ready to show up there at your best? And so to make that a little easier, I always say like, have your elevator speech, for lack of a better word, ready to go. You know, so my name is, I'm an owner of, I provide so-and-so services or products and I'm currently focused on. So kind of have in mind when you show up there, what are you looking for? Like, are you just looking just to hang out and have, you know, a party? Or are you actually there to solve some kind of problem for either yourself or your clients or your, your company? Like, have a bit of a goal when you're showing up there. And then when you're doing that, also make sure that you really take a look at your who's going to be speaking and go, is there anybody in particular here I want to be speaking to myself? Like, is there somebody there that I want to be following up with? Uh, is there a speaker there that I want to be chatting with directly? Those kind of ideas. And so... If you have that kind of prepared, that's very helpful. I'm also a big believer, just like LinkedIn is the, the place to go. I'm actually a big believer still in the old style, have some business cards on you that you can write notes on so that you can kind of like have that interaction with people that you meet. And that's kind of the pre-prep. So prepare for the conference. During the conference, it's probably a good idea to make sure, and I'm, I'm sure we've heard this, but seriously, like put your phone away, put on vibrate, whatever it is, and be present there and be present with the people you're meeting. Show up early for it. So you have an opportunity to network with people and be comfortable and get familiar with the space and all that. And make sure that you are, you're going to find this weird, but I don't remember when I was at one of these events and I was sitting back kind of watching because I'm a people watcher. I, I do sociology and psych. This is what I do. And I watched this group come in and they just were incredibly rude to the serving staff, the coat check people. And it was interesting because nobody wanted to talk to them after they mocked into the room. So I also mm-hmm. remind people, be really polite wherever you go and be very respectful because people are watching and you might have created yourself a brand that you might not even realize as you walked in the door. And during that event, you want to make sure that you're ready to be introduced, you're comfortable, you're dressed for the part, which everybody knows about, and you have your questions ready. And so when you meet people, during that event. So not only are you going to learn while you're at that event, but you're going to be able to talk to people and they're going to ask who you are and you're going to go, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm focused on. And maybe they may or may not be able to help you. And then that's what you also ask of other people. This, who are you? What do you do? Is there something, you know, you find out what they're focused on and maybe there's a way that you can help them. So that's that value driven piece. And the thing is be authentic about that. If you can really help somebody, 
give them your card, put a note on there saying, I think I can help you with this. And here's that opportunity to connect with that person and be memorable, offer to be of assistance to them, you know, learn what you can. If there's a speaker you want to catch, see if you can get into any of the VIP or speaker events and follow up with them, doing the same thing, being prepared. And then during the post event, follow up on your commitments. If you said you're going to help somebody, And you said, hey, I'm going to call you in two weeks. Call them in two weeks. If they wanted to talk to you, then they'll call you and be prepared to give them the help that you can. That is how I have built a network and a reputation that has fed my business so well for 10 years. I think that was extremely helpful, Tanya, in terms of the ways that you've done that. So go-getters. Definitely kind of jot this down and kind of create your, I call it a blueprint of how to connect on, you know, with conferences. I'm going to add a couple more things just to kind of round up just from my experiences that I can share as well. And everything you just said was like spot on. So I'm going to just add a couple more things. So I know for me, in addition to what the things that that Tanya mentioned, I kind of have like three objectives of a conference. And again, maybe it's just kind of where I am in my career. I think there's part of that too, right? So depending on where you are, what phase of your career, people will have different objectives depending on that time. So I'm going to share kind of minds where I'm at today. I definitely am always looking for, you know, objective one is to gain visibility. And for me, gaining visibility means, you know, are there opportunities for me to be part of the conversation? And when I say part of the conversation, is there a potential way that I can speak? Can I share maybe a case study of some work that I've done in the past and can, you know, showcase my firm? Can I contribute? Sometimes I've been in conferences, not that I've been speaking at them, but I may have been able to contribute through, you know, writing a a white paper or providing some sort of thought leadership that I Um, co-author, especially in my younger days as a consultant. I did a lot of co-authoring of conferences. I was, I was, I was a little bit more shy. I was very introvert. So I didn't want (laughs) to, I didn't want to talk publicly, but. I did make sure that I share, you know, a little bit of my ideas and assertions were part of the conversation. So Mm -hmm. I think gaining visibility is kind of one piece. To your point around preparing, what I found in the last couple of years, social media is really amazing in that you can actually start to connect with people that are going to be at the conference, either speaking or going to be attending it before you even go. So one of the things that I've been doing recently, when I know I'm going to be attending something, I actually, I tweet that, or I put it out on my Instagram or my LinkedIn and say, hey, you know, I'm going to, you know, such and such conference, who's in? And you'd be surprised, like the number of people that reach out either, you know, from that message you put out there, it's like, hey, I'm going. And then you kind of start to already start making connections with people before you even show up. Tactics a great one. I love that one. Yeah, I've actually even um, I've been able to do that even with conference, you know, people that are putting it on. So people who are putting on the the actual event, I've done tweets and done certain things. And then I've been able to connect with them and kind of to your point, start to kind of get the insider scoop on who's going to be there, what's happening. So don't underestimate the power of social media in the preparation plan. It really leads to like, my objective too, which is making connections. And I think you said that really nicely, Tanya. I know for me, because, you know, it feels like conferences, and I'm sure you're, you feel this too, Tanya. It feels like you're always running out of time, right? (laughs) You feel so stretched, you know? And so when I realized that I said, okay, I try to create like a multi-dimension of different people I want to meet. And I say, okay, of all these people, who are the top five that I absolutely need to either give them my business card. I need to make sure that we make some type of connection. You know, there's like five. 
instead of trying yeah. to trying to connect with everyone, let me try to kind of create quality interactions. And sometimes it's also been where I connect with someone I haven't seen in a while. And I'm like, I really want to strengthen a, an existing relationship as well. So I think the connections is definitely big. And then the last thing I've done with conferences is it actually worked out for me and my brand building is knowledge sharing. So yeah. when I go to conferences now, it's not just, you know, like taking it all in. And, and sometimes you go to, st- you know, conferences and you learn so much and then you put it away and you don't use it. And yep. so what I've gotten into the habit of doing now, I actually write blog posts. So I may write a blog post or I kind of document it and I put it in like a Google Doc and I share it with people or I do a presentation or I do something with it. So even if I, I'm not using it, the information like right that moment, it becomes part of my toolkit in some way. And, you know, I become known for X, right? Because I shared that information. So for example, the last conference or summit, I should say I went to was in May, I went to a podcast summit. um, And I was able to take all the notes that I took in that I created two, three blog posts, I shared it with like, like, at least 50 or 60 people now. And that is actually I've actually seen that circular. I've seen a couple people kind of launch their podcast just from that and help create kind of like you were saying earlier, the value add. So those are kind of just some additional thoughts that I know that I use that's worked. And I actually, I don't go to a lot of conferences now. I, I want to do so more in the future, but I mean, for the ones that I have done, th- those are kind of the things that I've, I've done. Oh, I love those additions. Now you're stimulating me to go, maybe do I have another article I should be putting on my blog now? <laughs> well, I, got a, I got a couple around conferences, but those are some great four additional highlights. But see, the thing is, it goes back to the objectives, right? So, you know, you're going to the conferences and, you know, you're probably going to be able to build on more business. And I may be going to the conferences more from a thought leadership brand building, right? And then you may have people that attend a conference and they're really like student of the conference, like you said earlier, right? Because they're just trying to build their skill set. So again, go-getters, you heard kind of two different lenses. But, you know, keep in mind, you know, you want to attend a conference based on what you need now and to really maximize it as opposed to what you'll need in the future. Right. I think that's kind of the, the best way to go. So this is great. I don't know if you got any any last thoughts before we close out on this piece. No, I think, oh, man, I, I'm, I love it when I when I'm still walking away still as a student. That's awesome. I'm, I'm <laughs> Thank you so much. Oh, one question, actually, I wanted to get your thoughts on because I go back and forth with my colleagues on this. What's the pro and con you think about attending a conference with a buddy? Like when I say a buddy, like a colleague or a coworker, you mean do like you a feel like, man? yeah, do you feel like it hurts or helps you for your, from your perspective? Personally, I'm going to put on my my psychology background hat right now. I think it depends on the person you are and what Mm. you find you show up like at conferences. You know, 10 years ago, heck, even more than that, I I was an incredibly shy introvert. I'm actually an introvert. I mean, it's been a lot of training and self-awareness to get where I am today. But back in those days, having a wingman and a person with uh, more experience and connections was great, right? Because they kind of led the way and helped role model a lot of things I wanted to learn and broke the ice for me. I've also seen the other extreme where having a wingman is great if you're like way too robust and way out there and they help kind of like peel you back a little bit and help, you know, temper the conversation. If you do it all by yourself, that's great too. As long as you have your confidence and you're ready to go and you're prepared. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer here. I would agree. It is definitely situational. And I like what you just said about it being, you know, the type of person you are and how you show up. 
I really like that. I go back and forth on that one. To me, it's like some days I think it makes sense and some days it doesn't. But again, it depends on the conference and it goes back to the objectives, right? Like, yeah. what are you there for? Well, I think so. it really comes back to, I think what we're both saying is, do you know why you're showing up and what your objectives are and are you prepared? Right. Awesome. Awesome. Well, this is such a, a great conversation. I really enjoyed it, Tanya. If some of the go-getters are looking to connect with you, like maybe you can share like, you know, how they can get in contact with you or what are some of your social media handles? Absolutely. So um, as we mentioned earlier, I do have that group on Facebook called Black Sheep Consultants. On Twitter, I'm at at hi from Tanya with a Y. On LinkedIn, it's literally LinkedIn and then forward slash Tanya Stevenson dot com or whatever the end is for LinkedIn. And then for my website, you can go there as well. And I'm on there at www.tanyastevenson.com. And it's Tanya with a Y and Stevenson with a V as in Victor. Awesome. Awesome. And go-getters, I'll also include all the links that uh, Tanya just shared with you. I'll include them in the show notes for this episode so you can have them and access them quickly. But again, this is such a great conversation. I had a lot of fun um, connecting with you today, Tanya. Oh, thank you. Me too. I, I really appreciate just how it's a good time. And that's what ultimately I'm trying to make sure while I'm while I'm having this adventure as an independent consultant is having fun along the way. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And go getters, if you have a specific question or feedback, feel free to drop us a line at misimuseunplugged at gmail.com. I would again like to thank Tanya for being a guest on today's show. And thank you, my go getters for tuning in. This is Christy Lindor signing out for the Missy Muse Unplugged pop-up podcast. Here's to your journey to greatness. Tune in every Friday for new episodes syndicated on iTunes, Google Play Music, and many more. Visit www.misimuse.com for more information.